Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. And welcome back. I am here in Atlanta, Georgia with Camelia Mayfield. Camelia, thanks for joining in today. Of course. Well, awesome. So we are here for the Olympic trials, and it's super exciting to have you on here. So first question, uh, who is Camelia? Um, let's see. I'm an ultra runner, um, social worker. I recently graduated with my master's in social work, um, so kind of budding in that career a little bit, um, as well as with ultramarathoning. It has kind of taken few years to really get into it, but I'd say over the last year, it's taken a pretty big chunk of my life and <laughs> become pretty important to me. And you're up in the Pacific Northwest where the trails are beautiful and often wet, right? Um, actually, I live in Bend, Oregon, so we're technically high desert. Got it. And um, especially this winter, it's been pretty dry. Cool. So social work and ultra running. It seems that there's a... Uh, an interesting connection there. What's so? Let's first start with with the running. So, how did you get into running? Um, my so my dad growing up, he was an ultra um, runner. So, as long as I can remember, we were going to different um, trail events, going to races, usually camping and being kind of his crew. Um, and then, along with that, my Growing up, my grandma was into road marathons on my mom's side. So kind of both sides of the family. It's like normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, kind of middle school just started off like doing the whole middle school track cross country thing um, and continued through high school and college. Awesome. And so a lot of people will you know, seem to start at shorter distances and they build up to longer distances. And so you've gone you've gone short all the way up to some longer some super long stuff. So where where is your sort of happy place? What's what's the distance that you just love? Um I will say I really love 100k's. I actually haven't done that many. Um but you know that's when a 100 mile start race starts getting really hard. So <laughs> so I I've had a lot of success in 100 mile races. Um and that being said, I wish I could quit it 62 <laughs> miles for most of those. Just races. roll into Forest Hill and say, "All right, cool. Where who's got who's got a beer for me here?" Yeah, that's a good hundred. <laughs> it's not bad. So, um, so you race Western States. You're doing the Olympic trials. Um, that's a lot of really awesome high level high level running. So, what are what are some of the takeaways that you're that you have from the trails that you'll be taking to the roads? 
Um, I think the biggest thing for Atlanta is just about like trust the terrain and like, don't kind of discount that it's going to be hard. Um, you go into a trail race knowing it's going to be hard right. just because of the distance and the train and some of the really remote areas. Um, I think this being a loop course is going to be really difficult in its own way. You know what's coming? Yeah, you know what's coming <laughs> and it's not going to get easier right. each loop. <laughs> so trusting like that the hills are going to be hard no matter what. Um, and, you know, a race is a race. So why do you... Uh... Why did you decide to do the trials? Oh, that's a good question. I guess when I got in, when I met the qualifier, I'm like, well, of course you have to do it if you're in. Right. I know not everyone, I guess, feels that way. But for me, um, it's just a bucket list item and um, something that I kind of had on my radar for a long time and wasn't really sure that I ever would get that qualifier. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's the carpe diem like who knows if i could get it four years from now right. and it's time to do it cool how does the how does the road marathon fit into the training for the rest of the year um it's kind of sandwiched really well um i did Havelina 100 in the end of october which is a relatively flat 100 mile course um 100 mile party yeah <laughs> um it's a really fun one and so i did a lot of kind of road um workouts leading up to Havelina or at least flatter trail workouts. Um, so then transitioning to this marathon was basically a matter of just recovering and kind of fine tuning the speed. Um, and then kind of same with Western States. It's a really rolling course. It doesn't have an insane amount of vertical. So, um, any amount of aerobic fitness is going to translate well to trails. Definitely. My coach David Roche loves the, loves the approach of just training to get fit versus being race specific exactly so a lot of road speed benefits anywhere really yeah um what are you thinking about on the start line or what will you be thinking about on the start line uh tomorrow morning to um, or tomorrow afternoon yeah I guess it is. <laughs> it'll still be morning uh west coast yeah. time so that's not bad yeah <laughs> um i'm just gonna be thinking about how grateful i am to be on the start line um I know that I'm probably going to cry when they do the national anthem because I always do at big <laughs> events, <laughs> just knowing that like I'm surrounded by almost 500 of like women who are just amazing. So, um, I, I definitely think it's going to be a good representation of America's talent. Is gratitude something that you intentionally practice? No, <laughs> it just comes I up. I should. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's definitely something that with my job, um, I see a lot of people who are in a lot of pain emotionally and it's something that it makes me realize like how, how many like coping skills and how much gratitude I really do have. Um, maybe I don't realize I practice it, but just getting out the door, getting f out for a run and kind of practicing that mindfulness definitely, um, factors into my day. Cool. Let's talk about the job for a sec, um, or for a few minutes. The The topic of mental health is something that I'm pretty passionate about and love to talk about on the podcast and on Instagram and social media in general. How did how did you decide that that's what you wanted to do as a, as a profession? That's a great question. Um, 
I will say, I think part of my interest in like social services and helping other people stemmed back in high school. Um, we had to do like those dumb career surveys that, you know, a lot of people it tells them they're going to become an actress or <laughs> something like that. But You're going to go to the moon one day. <laughs> mine, I think I actually got social worker yeah. or like a pastor or something kind of in that profession. And so it got me thinking more about that. And I actually entered my undergrad knowing that I wanted to major cool. in that with the mindset like, hey, if I get into it and realize it's really not right for me, then I can always change my mind. Um, I love social work because it focuses more on person in environment um, and how we can change systems on bigger scales to try to to make people healthier and happier and and also from the kind of smaller level counseling and um, helping people develop skills does exercise play a role in that absolutely how so well for for me um, you know personally I've seen the way that it can just help me balance my day um, when I'm feeling anxious, I find that I finish a run and usually that anxiety goes away. Um, Is that a chemical response? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, social workers, we aren't necessarily known for like getting too much into the biology yep. stuff. <laughs> but definitely, yeah, having those hormones change a little bit through running um, as well as actually like our tra our body's trauma response um, kind of goes back to to the caveman days of, sure. um, you know, running is a way to survive. So, um, something about that, that movement actually can stimulate some safety in your mind. Cool. So does what you do professionally manifest in how, how you approach later stages of a race? Like, are you, are you using, um, practices that you, that you use with your, with your patients on yourself, you know, at mile 75? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely things like positive self-talk, even like in races saying things out loud. Because um, some of that cognitive restructuring of, okay, yes, that's a, a negative thought. That doesn't mean that all of your thoughts need to be negative or that you're having a bad race. So I read a book called Mind Gym, and one of the one of the um, takeaways from that was you can only think one thing at a time, so make it positive. And if you're thinking negative things, negative things could happen. If you're thinking positive things, positive things can happen. Yeah. So what are you thinking about at the later stages of a race? A lot of times my mind goes to numbers. Um I think that like I like math problems. Yeah. Like sometimes, honestly, it's like just trying to focus on something that's outside of like the um, emotional response. So is it is it calculating paces and splits or is it like distraction? Both. <laughs> Usually if I start to focus on the pace, sometimes that can turn more toward negative thoughts. Yep. But if it's things like, OK, let's just get through the next quarter mile or two minutes, um, just that like breaking thing things into more tangible goals. Um, you know, something that's totally separate from something that's value-based. Cool. So let's pretend it's Saturday at 3.15 p.m. What ha what does success look like for you? Um, finishing feeling good. 
um, not being more injured. I have a little kind of thing going on with my hip right now. So biggest goal is not making that worse. Um, And hopefully cheering on those around me. Um, I'd love like just finishing honestly is going to be a huge accomplishment. So I think it's fascinating that you didn't put a time associated with that. And I think that that's a, a missed opportunity for a lot of amateurs that it's all about the time mm-hmm. and not about the outcome or the experience or it's, it's about the outcome, not the experience. And so I have a lot of pro and elite athletes on this podcast and that's a very consistent theme across the board that people are just not focused on times at the elite level of marathoning. Obviously with trail running, it's a little different. Like it's a little, it's even less valuable to look at times, Mm -hmm. but they're not talking about places. They're not talking about winning. They're talking about getting the best out of themselves. And so I think it's a good reminder for us as amateurs that um, this is what the pros are doing and they're incentivized to win and they're incentivized to PR and they're still not, you're still not putting all of the meaning onto a time or a place. I had a conversation with Ben Rosario, who's the coach of Northern Arizona Elite, and he was talking about when he does, he was talking about um, New York City Marathon with a few of his athletes, and he was saying, we didn't talk about time at all in the pre-race meeting. We talked about execution and and having a good day and giving it all you have, essentially, and that when you cross the line, you know that like that's what you had on that day and you gave it all. He's like, the results will happen if if you do something like that. And I think it's fascinating that, like, again, you're just continuing to reaffirm that, like, that that's what works. Yeah. When I got my qualifier at um, CIM in 2018, I really didn't nail that many workouts um, hitting the paces that I was supposed to. And yet I still ran two minutes under the qualifier. Um, and, I mean, my my coach was like, we talked the night before. He's like, just, you know, you probably got like a 250 in you. Just go and run and don't look at your watch. And I didn't look at my watch and I kept up with the pace group and actually broke away. That's awesome. So (laughs) I think there is something to be said for just listening to your body and you're going to get the most out of it if you push yourself the most it can go at, at any given moment, whether that's the pace you want or not. Definitely. I ran, um, the Providence marathon this past spring or last spring. And I was, I've been trying to break three for four years and it took, it took getting to the start line, not caring about the outcome on the watch to finally do it. And it totally removed the, like the pressure of hitting splits and hitting times and this and that, um, from the race buildup and the anticipation of the buildup to like, just hitting flow and hitting like 640s that just felt magical. And I'd never had that experience, but I'd also never entered a race with that attitude. Mm -hmm. And I think that a good coach can facilitate that in an athlete that's open to receiving that. So you're a coach too. Um, what's, What's that experience like? Helping other people achieve their goals. Yeah, it's sometimes challenging. Um, Basically, like you just said, um, I'll get people who want to be coached and they want to improve. Um, and they are very much like time mindset based. Yeah. 
Um, so how do you reshift that? So a lot of efforts, like workouts based on effort um, rather than time and, you know, really emphasizing like what certain efforts should feel like um, with breathing, with basically like that's what I use. I don't go off heart rate a lot. Um, I think that breath rate and like perceived fatigue and effort is a great way to to structure workouts. Um, So that's a big component. And then also giving like ranges, giving um, athletes a lot of, not a lot, but um, a good amount of personal choice Mm -hmm. in their training. So, you know, taking off days as needed or sometimes giving huge ranges of like run 60 to 90 minutes today. Like if you're getting four extra miles cause you feel good, like that's fine. And we'll rein it in when we need to. Um, I think that's fascinating. And then, so my coach, so David does this too. And sometimes it's like four to five miles or 60 to 80 minutes or something like that. And then sometimes I find myself like reading into, did I choose the high end or the low end? And, and then letting that this like letting that dictate the next day when I have an option. Like, did I want to run long or did I want to cut it short? I think that's a pretty pretty telling um, indicator versus looking at splits for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So, um, do you have athletes running this weekend? Um, I don't. Cool. So I have an athlete who's coming to um, cheer me on. Oh, that's awesome. Because he lives uh, in Kentucky. So it's cool. a kind of short drive. And I've been coaching him for three years. We've never met. Oh, that's so awesome. it's like, kind of like a blind date, but I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Will you see him before the, uh, before the race? You know, I think he's trying not to like bug me, <laughs> um, which he wouldn't be. Yeah. But hopefully we can meet up today. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you run for Brooks mm-hmm. and... You're a professional athlete, and I think a lot of people enjoy the the um, sort of hearing how it works as a sponsored athlete. Mm-hmm. So, what was that experience like connecting with the with the shoe and apparel brand? Um, difficult. I'll say, like probably the time when athletes need the most support um, financially is when it's really hard to get it. Um, being like a kind of budding athlete. So post-collegiately, there were definitely a few years where I was like kind of budgeting pretty hard to get to major races and try to um, get that high level experience, especially with trail races. It's a little harder um, to get to the higher competition ones. You're talking about Europe and things like that? Europe. Um, or just mountain. Or even like mountains, some of the yeah. golden ticket races, you know, are at different parts of the country. So depending on how your race schedule matches up, you might be flying halfway across the country to get to like yeah. Bandera or down to California or, um, yeah. So, um, and I just have been kind of blessed at slowly growing like my network. Um, that's kind of been how a lot of my opportunities have, have come to fruition. Um, just like how you kind of reached out to me yeah. through goo and, um, some other mutual acquaintances. I mean, that's just building those connections with people have been really valuable. Definitely. So you mentioned another one of your sponsors, uh, goo energy, yep. their, their slogan is eating is training. How do you use nutrition to facilitate the work that you're asking of your body? Well, I eat 
I will say I don't eat like a ton of goo products because I really save those for racing mm-hmm. um, and long runs primarily. Um, lots of whole foods. That's number one. Um, sometimes lots of junk food too. I'll say like um, this week is eating disorder week. Um, I haven't like personally ever experienced that, but knowing a lot of people who have, I think that we don't talk enough about like when you're training really hard and you're craving just like a burger, that's what you're eat it. Needs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, my, yeah, you have these cravings for a reason. Yeah. It's exactly. a, like a, it's a deficiency. Yeah. Um, and those shouldn't be safe for like after a race or after a workout. It's like, Hey, you did an easy run and right. you're really wanting like that pub burger and fries. Like, good. Go for it. Go get it. This is a recovery day. Yeah. Um, so definitely like listening to cravings. Um, and then during races, like using the goos, um, using the liquid nutrition of Roctane. Um, and then I love Stroop waffles right before running too. <laughs> we'll have some at our cheer station on Saturday. You can okay. drop by for a bit. Okay, good. <laughs> Um, so what's, what's after, um, you cross the finish line. What do you do next? Uh, probably the burger and and a beer. Nice. (laughs) What's, what kind of beer? Uh, Any beer? I just love like a West coast IPA. Yeah. Um, It's like the basic, you know, version of (laughs) beer for an Oregonian. So what is, what does recovery look like post marathon? Um, I'll probably take you know, up to a week completely off. Um, it all just kind of depends on how beat up my legs are factoring in like my experience. A marathon isn't really like that long on my legs. Um, even at marathon effort. Well, it will be. (laughs) (laughs) So just kind of playing like playing by feel how my body is after pounding on concrete for 26 miles. Um, and then I'll really probably ramp up training for Western States um, April. Cool. Yeah. So probably take like a good solid like three to four weeks of pretty unstructured training. Mm-hmm. Um, probably doing efforts, um, workout by effort and um, and then ramp it up in April for the last like three months up to Western States. Cool. And this will be your second time running Western States? Third. Third. What's what's that experience like? I've been out there a couple times and it's just like it's so magical. But what's it like being in the race? It's still magical. Um probably even more magical. Yeah, you know, people really love like the high country of that race um cuz you are more in the mountains for the first like 28 miles. Um historically that's been when I really feel the worst because you are at altitude. And so for me, the race really starts at like mile 45 or 50. Um, and the past two years have been pretty different too. Um, 2018 was really hot. Um, so there were a lot of people who dropped out um, or dropped back because of the heat that I was able to catch. And then in 2019, it was really a cool um, record-breaking year. And so... On the flip side, I was catching people who just went out like way too fast, kind of trying to capitalize on those conditions. So cool. Um, let's fast forward 10 years. What, what have you done that you're really proud of? 
I'll be licensed as a clinical social worker. Awesome. Hopefully a couple years, but I'll look back on that and be, be proud of that. Um, and I hope that I can mentor others. That's something that I probably don't do enough of at this point. Um, so I want to make that kind of a more, um, formal part of my life in mentoring others, whether it's in the profession or through running. What are you, what are you scared of? And I know you prepared for this question. <laughs> because when I listen to your podcast, I'm like, oh man, that's a really hard question. I don't want him waiting for like five minutes. Why? <laughs> um, no, I love this question because, because people take it, it's, it's entertaining because people take it one way or another. They're either like snakes or like something super deep. Yeah. And I've heard, you know, I think as a runner, um, the immediate kind of thing that I think of is like injuring myself past the point of repair. Um, so going through a really serious injury or accident is terrifying to me. But even more than that, I hope that I never have a condition, whether it's mental or physical, that causes my family pain. Um, I see a lot of families who are impacted by mental illness and to me, I think that that would be way more painful. So my fear is ever like being in a situation that causes that kind of strife for others. So let's talk about mental health and and um, what that means to you. What is what is health? What is the health part of mental health for you? Living a balanced life. Um, I think everything comes back to that. There's a certain level of pleasing others and pleasing yourself um, when you kind of go on either side of that is when things get out of whack um, and balance of activity, non-activity. Um, so just kind of applying that to all aspects. And what are some tips as a professional in the space that you have for people on improving their own mental health? Definitely mindfulness, um, not not putting any value or expectations to situations or experiences, um, being open to what can come from from an experience, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and then on the other side of that, like still having goals yeah. and developing tools that you know are going to work for you to meet those goals. Um, I think that sometimes uh, it's hard to balance those two as well, like living in the moment and not having expectations, but also like having some, some scary, some ambitious goals for yourself and figuring out ways that you can set yourself up to, to reach them. So what are some big scary goals that you have for yourself? Um, I signed up for TDS, um, which is um, I think it's 130. 35 kilometers, 90 miles um, through the mountains of Italy and France this summer. It's part of the UTMB race series. Um, 30,000 feet of climbing could be like freezing conditions, windy, uh, really technical. So that's scary. Like, I honestly am not sure if I'll finish. Um, Does that excite you? It does. Yeah. Um, Especially choosing like, like to do Western States again this year, it's almost becoming like a comfortable race. I know what to expect. I've done it a couple times. Um, so having something else that's going to challenge me to train for 
um, and shift my training more toward mountains is super exciting. Why do you think Americans haven't really figured out UTMB? We just don't have like the access to terrain um, with the exception of some kind of pockets of the country. Um, so it's really just all about getting your climbing legs? I think some of it, Or yeah. descending legs? Yeah. Um, and also just like the comfort, like our culture, we we really are kind of trained to stay on trails and stay on switchbacks, yeah. um, you know, and that's really good trail etiquette. But some of these races, I mean, the only way to prepare is just like by running over, <laughs> over rocks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what will you do? Will you train specifically for it? I will. I'm not really sure if I'll continue my race season past August. I haven't decided yet. Um, and so I plan on, using a lot of the the vertical and like hiking as kind of recovery from western states and then mm -hmm. leading up to TDS. What are some of the the training tools that you have that you use in bend? I know there's some really fun like pilot butte, like mm -hmm. things like that that are just gnarly climbs. Yeah, so pilot butte is kind of like um it's like the ultra marathoners like track workout. Yeah. Um, oh, so God. it's like a mile. You want to explain what it is? Yeah. yeah. So it's a mile up. Um, you have the option. There's a trail or a road that goes to the top. It gains just over 400 feet within that mile. So it's a really That's nice. It? Mm -hmm. Wow. So it's a pretty nice, like steady incline. So you can do like, I think the most I've done is five reps, um, up. Um, so you can do reps on it. And then there are some other great um, mountains close by once they start melting out in like June. Um, we have Mount Bachelor, which you can hike up, and then the Three Sisters, um, just to name a few. David had me do a five by three minute with a jog down, just hard. And that workout haunts me. On Pilot View. <laughs> On Pilot View, yeah. <laughs> and I got to the top like perfectly at the end of it. And I was just like, Oh, I looked down and I was like, oh my God, that was like the hardest workout I've ever done. But it was, it's fun that like you have these geographies that allow you to do like very specific workouts like that. Mm -hmm. What is it about Ben that you love? Um, I love that it's a mountain town um, and that you never really have to get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> I think that goes along with the mountain culture. Yeah. Um, we joke that like a bend uniform is like jeans and a Patagonia puffy because <laughs> um, that is what most people wear. Um, and something when I first moved there, I was like just taken aback that you literally like just go to your spots and you, you run into people you know. Yeah. Like even though it's kind of growing quite a bit, there still is that small town feel and it's easy to kind of find your pocket of people yeah it was fun i went to um there's like a poke shop in town mm -hmm. and i ran into ian Sharman and uh steph howe like yeah <laughs> of course of course i did um yeah it's it's a super fun little little town um when i was there people were joking that they knew it was getting crowded because they had to wait for a second car in the rotary <laughs> yep so that's when you know it's it's getting busy um what are some races that you haven't done yet that you want to do? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think just like, well, this past year I was toying with doing um, JFK 50 nice. and it just like didn't 
quite work out with um, my schedule. So that's one that I'd love to do, just how historic it is. I used to live in D.C. for a couple years. Um, and now that that weekend is a little more open. Yeah. Unfortunately, I with know. North Face. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to do that one. Um, kind of challenge again with just like being flatter and almost more of a road race in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then training for this marathon on the road has really like kind of inspired me a little bit of like, maybe I should do more road marathons. Yeah. So I'd love to do some of the bigger ones, like whether that's New York or Boston, um, just to kind of reconnect with like where ultra running stemmed from. Yeah. I'll take this opportunity to plug Boston. It's super <laughs> fun. I've run it twice and it's like, it's incredible. I mean, New York is, is great, but I'm from Boston. So I'm going to, I'm going to vote for that one. <laughs> right. um, what do you wish people knew about you? Hmm. I want somebody to be like, I have six toes. I know I'm trying to think like of fun facts, you know, um, I want people to know I was a really weird kid. Like I was super whiny. I think all of my siblings can attest to that. Um, I was the youngest of four kids and then I have a half brother who's now the youngest. Um, so I want people to know like the whiny kid, the weird kid can also be like grow up to be pretty good. The cool kid. Yeah. I don't know if I'm cool, but like... You can grow up to do like pretty cool things. Awesome. <laughs> uh, if we see you out racing, what should we shout? Um, go Meals on Wheels. Go Meals on Wheels. <laughs> awesome. Where can we find you on social media? Um, at Camellia Mayfield for both Instagram and I don't use Twitter, but you could maybe if people start like actually tweeting me or something, like maybe I'll go on it. You get millions after this podcast. <laughs> okay. Good to know. I mean, yeah. Um, and then I think I have a same with Facebook, but I don't really enjoy Facebook. So Instagram's the best. Cool. Way yeah. Instagram's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining today and we'll see you out there. Thank you. Go meals on wheels. <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.